Today on High Point with Ron Zappia. I want them in the kingdom. And you're my way to win them over. And and as you're living in this generation that can't quite understand things or doesn't apply biblical truth, I want you to be different. I want you to be the soul and the light. Welcome to High Point with Ron Zappia, pastor of High Point Church in the western suburbs of Chicago. Our message today is called the advancement of joy. And Ron, this word advancement, I mean, it sounds like we're getting a job promotion here or something like that. So help us out. What are we talking about? Well, Steve, we're talking about getting more joy. And the Bible is clear that joy is available to us, but we need to do this. We need to put the time in. We need to put the work in to receive it, that we would receive the blessing, the favor of God. So how do we do that? That's where we're headed today. We're in Philippians chapter two. Here's Pastor Ron. If you have a Bible, do this. Open it up to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. The title of the message is The Advancement of Joy. And so I want to give you four ways to make sure that this unexplainable joy is advanced in your life. First way to advance this unexplainable joy in your life is that we're to grow in the faith. Look with me at verse 12. It says, therefore, my beloved... He says, work out your own salvation, not someone else's. Now, interesting, I want you to underline that term because he says, with fear and trembling. So what he means there is the reverential awe that we have for who God is. But he's also like this, hey, man, you better get with it and work out. He's getting serious here. You better have a little bit of people shaking in your boots over what I got to talk to you about. You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, If that command is as intense as it is, as we read it in Scripture, isn't it important for us to understand what salvation is? Anybody? (laughs) I think so. But let me take a time and give you a theological lesson of what theologians would tell us regarding this term salvation. And what's interesting is I hold this folder up, a file folder that's marked salvation. And within that, from a theological perspective, is there's four folders. Anytime you see that word used in scripture, slow down, theology 101, first folder in the salvation file is that that's marked election. Hard to understand. Election, biblical doctrine. He says, you know what? It's not really that you chose him. It's that he chose you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says before the foundations of the world that God chose you. Election is the first file folder in the salvation file. Next one comes is justification. Justification, it's actually a legal term that talks about legal standing that in Christ, you ride in on his coattails and his righteousness, not your own, and you stand before God just as if I never sin. And then the third file in this folder marked salvation is sanctification. Just as election is about us being chosen and just like justification is about us being converted, well, sanctification is about the change that happens. The change that happens in you as you begin to look more like Christ as you pursue God. I'll tell you, it's a big deal, this one. And the scripture says in Hebrews, without sanctification, no one will see the Lord. This proves that you really got it. This proves that you've been elected, that you've been justified, that you've been sanctified. And lastly, I've got the file marked glorification. Jesus came back in a glorified body. And what this says is at the end, I'm telling you, we're going to be raised and we're going to have these glorified bodies too. And so that means this, that means no more trips to the doctor. 
I mean, this is a glorified body, man. We're going to be standing in. These are all part of the file marked salvation. And so that's the theology lesson that Paul's giving us. So let me ask you this question. Don't shout it out. Think to yourself. Which folder is he talking about here? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, I would suggest to you that his focus is on sanctification. we got to grow. we got to grow in faith. Look with me at verse 14 for a moment because I want to give you the second way to advance the joy, the unexplainable joy in your life. It's not only about growing in the faith, it's about maturing. And what's interesting is Paul gives us some areas of growth, which I find very interesting for the Philippian church. And I don't think it's just for them. I think it's for us. He says in verse 14, do all things without grumbling. He says, without grumbling or questioning. Let me slow down, double click on that word. In my translation, it says grumbling. Maybe yours says something different. Some versions say complaining, but it's this muttering sound. It's what comes. (laughs) The second one is this. He says questioning. Interesting, if you double click on that word in the original language, the Greek word actually gives us our word dialogue. So the difference between these two words, if you're following the bouncing ball, is grumbling has to do with an emotional response that you just, and this disputing, some versions say, or arguing, um, this word, it, it doesn't have to do with the emotional response, it's the intellectual response that you're thinking about it, and it's this inner reasoning that causes you to argue some things, and so he's saying both of these things are not good. Both of these things are causing you to lack maturity in your faith. But look at verse 15. He says, do all these things without grumbling or questioning, what? Working out your salvation and moving forward and that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation. I mean, he's saying, the reason I can't have you do the grumble stumble and I want you to grow and mature in your faith is because I got people around you that I want them in the kingdom and you're my way to win them over. And and as you're living in this generation that can't quite understand things or doesn't apply biblical truth, I want you to be different. I want you to be the salt and the light. That's what he's talking about, that we can be a light to this lost generation. And so people are watching. Please write this verse down. It's one of my favorites, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I think it's around verse 9, and it says this. It says that you and I will be, I love the version that says, a spectacle to angels and to men. Those who love Jesus, those who are growing in their faith, we're going to be a spectacle. That original language, in the original language, that word literally means you're on stage. Are, are, are you exhibiting the love of the Lord Jesus Christ? That we are on stage for him. So let me go quickly. Take your Bibles. Keep your finger in Philippians. We're coming back. Flip forward a few books and get to 2 Peter because I want this message to be extremely applicational. I want to give you the formula for spiritual growth, for maturity. It's found right here in 2 Peter. I've taught this to our men here at our men's conference. Let me do a little bit of review. We did that last year. I want to hit this passage, the formula for spiritual maturity. And so what happens is it starts in verse 5. And so Peter gives a formula. He says, for this very reason, make every effort. There it is. I can can hear Paul's words. He's like, this is the most important thing. He says, make every effort. Boy, that's so encouraging and so challenging to supplement your faith. Hey, there's some other things besides just your belief. 
And so we start with the first thing is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we've got to have faith in who he is and what he's done. But then he says, he says, add to it virtue, my version said. I'm used to memorizing another translation. I love the word moral excellence. Because for me, that really makes sense. It's like, hey, man, you're going to be different than the world. You're going to make some choices that are, not, that are, that are uh, not contrary to this book. And you're going to make some choices, you know, when what? When you get yourself into some situations that I'm going to, at the workplace, I'm going to be uh, someone who is honest and I'm going to be fair and moral excellence. I mean, I'm going to live according to this book. And then he says, add to your virtue or moral excellence, what comes next? Do you see it? He says, knowledge. And so the spiritual form spiritual maturity is faith plus moral excellence plus knowledge. Now, this isn't book smart. Everybody say, amen. <laughs> We're not saying you got to study. This word actually means knowledge gained through personal experience. So it's not that, hey, you know, it's like, you know, I read a book on how to play golf. No, this is the word that says you go out, you take your clubs, and it's personal experience, and you're on the green. And I ain't saying books are bad, but this is more like street knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. So you got to have faith plus moral excellence plus street knowledge plus experience. And then he goes on to say, which is the important critical one, he says, and you have to have self-control. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, moral excellence, with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. That word literally means that you will become a master of yourself, a master of things that are dragging you down that no longer will these things master you, but you will master them. And then he says, and then steadfastness, my version says. And that's really, uh, in other places, it's called perseverance or patience. And it's this idea, it comes from two Greek words um, that are stuffed together, and they mean this. It means to stick, stay under. It means to remain under. That despite the pressures of this life, that we would remain under the trial, that we wouldn't cut and run. So faith, if we want to have spiritual maturity, we can't cut and run. How many people would agree with me that sometimes when you cut and run and you go to a different place with a different address and you still, you get there and it's like, oh, I'm here. And the same lesson that you were running from, God is going to teach you in a new place with some new people because you're the same person he wants to learn lessons. We'll hear more in a moment when High Point with Ron Zappia continues. You can request a copy of this message called The Advancement of Joy when you call 844-HP-RADIO. Stay with us. There's more teaching straight ahead. Joy. Everyone wants it, but not everyone knows how to get it. It's often thought to be the same as happiness, an unstable emotion that comes and goes based on the circumstances of life. But joy from God defies the odds and goes against the grain of how society defines it. Here at High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we want you to experience the supernatural delight that joy brings in the person of God, the purposes of God, and the people of God. That's why throughout the month of March, for a donation of any amount to High Point Ministries with Ron Zappia, we'll send you Unexplainable Joy, a journey through Philippians. Walk through the Unexplainable Joy teaching series with Pastor Ron and use this study to apply each message to your life so you can elevate your faith and experience true, unexplainable joy in your life. Give us a call at 844-HP-RADIO to receive your copy of this original High Point Ministries resource for a donation of any amount, or request this resource online at highpointministries.com. 
This is High Point with Ron Zappi, a pastor of High Point Church, a multi-site church in the western suburbs of Chicago. You're listening to a message from Unexplainable Joy, and you can access all of these messages when you visit us online at highpointministries.com. Now getting back to our study, here's Pastor Ron. And so this is it. So perseverance, what comes next? And the text, love it, it just lays it all out. And then he says godliness. See at the end of verse 6? And so godliness is, I like this definition, it's the truths of this book downloaded in my life in such a way that it changes who I am. That's godliness, that I would look more like Jesus. Verse 7, and godliness with brotherly affection or brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, it ends out with love. So these are the characteristics. These, this is the formula for spiritual maturity. These are the things we're going after. These are the things we need to work on. Question, which one of these do you need to work on? We get together in groups throughout the week in the western suburbs. You know, we've got men's groups, we've got women's groups, we've got young adult groups, we've got all these groups. And within your bulletin, there's a study guide. There's a, what's called the growth guide. And sometimes we're missing this is pull that out and take a look at it and, and go through it as an individual or with your friends or your family members. And there's questions on there that can help you grow in spiritual maturity. One of those, as people are getting into groups in this western suburbs this week, is which one of these do I need to work on? And you say, well, why should I, man? You know, I got a lot of things going on. Well, I'll tell you why you should. Take a look at verse 8, 2 Peter chapter 1. For if these qualities, these right here, are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, for whoever lacks these things right here, he says, whoever lacks these things, these qualities, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Don't want that to be me. And then look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I'll add, be all the more diligent. It's about your part in the sanctification process that we're learning to your calling and election for sure. For if you practice these things, you will never fail. That's a spiritual guarantee. Like, I'm never going to fail. Oh, you may get knocked down, but you will not get knocked out because God is with you. So this is the formula for spiritual maturity. I hope that's helpful. Two more things as we advance the joy. Flip back over to Philippians, advancing the joy in our own individual lives. Next thing is this, that we would live for the faith. Look with me at verse 16. And the Apostle Paul says, holding fast to the word of life. So he's holding fast so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He said, hey, I don't want you to waste your time and at the end of your life to look back and to think, man, you just wasted and it was a bunch of fruitless effort and it was futile. He says, don't do that. So we've got to hold fast. It's like grab hold and don't let go. It's what you do with your child when, when you're, they're walking across a busy interest, intersection you grab their hand. It's what you do to a cup of coffee in the morning when you get up. Man, nobody's taking that from you. It's what you do with a baton in a relay race that you grab hold and you don't let go. What do you grab hold of? Look at the text, please. So important. The word of life. What the heck's the word of life? Sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. I'm wondering, what is that? Well, we need to know. And what's interesting is, let me give you this verse from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It clearly says what the word of life is. And it says that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning, there's that phrase, the word of life. The life was made manifest. Hmm, he's talking about somebody. 
And that life that was made manifest, we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you that he brought eternal life. Who are they talking about? They're talking about Jesus. And, and he says this, which was with us, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Man, Jesus was revealed to us. Now, these guys walked with him physically, and we've walked with him spiritually. And so the word of life, according to this verse, and I think what the Bible says, it is Jesus. It is the gospel. The word of life is what's revealed in this book. That is the word of life. So let me ask you this. What are you living for? What are you living for? And, and let me just kind of lay out a couple things that I've been thinking about because as I talk to people and as my experience grows um, with so many different interactions with so many different kinds of people, I, I think that in our teens, we have a tendency to live for likability and freedom. Give me the keys to that car. I'm out of here. Anybody agree? In our 20s, we, we live for pleasure. Sometimes it's only for a moment. It temporarily satisfies. We live for instant gratification. We live for pleasure and independence. I'm just trying to cut my own mold. In our 30s, making any sense? In our 30s, we have a tendency to live for purpose and success, and I gotta get myself going. And gotta get out of my parents' basement. That was a joke. If you're in your 30s and you're in your parents' basement, like this message is for you right now. In your 40s, what, what's happening there? It's about, you know, you start really, it's about respect and influence. I, I wanna see some things happen. And you get to your 50s, and they call it the midlife crisis, and it's because you're searching for meaning and identity. And then 60s, 60s, as I've talked to people, it's about legacy and significance. It, it's no longer forging ahead. It's like you're looking back saying, well, what the heck did I just do with my life? And, and, and I want to make sure I lived for something of purpose and of value. And, and then in the 70s, I just talked to a man. Uh, well, actually, I talked to Urban Lutzer. He's in his 70s. He was here for our marriage conference. I mean, what an unbelievable guy to fulfill our pulpit. The decades of experience uh, of God's word and and the faithfulness to ministry. And the 70s, it, it becomes more about family and fun, and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> but, but that's what we're choosing to live for. And, and so I would just challenge you, at the end of verse 16, look at it again, please. We're, uh, we're, I want to teach you the Bible. He, he says, at the end of verse 16, he says, make sure, I, he says, I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He, he's saying, make sure you go after the right stuff, man. Make sure you go after the word of life. That's what we're going for. We want the word of life. And then lastly, if I could just round it out, he says this. He says that um, in verse 17, even I am to be poured out as a drink offering. He says, as a, upon the sacrifice offering of your faith, Paul says, I am glad and rejoice with all you. There's our word. And he says, like likewise, you also should be glad and you should rejoice with me. So the last way to advance or to advance the joy in your life is that you've got to have a right, right attitude and you, you've got to rejoice in the faith, whether it's the ups or the downs. And, and that phrase that's in our English Bibles that says, I am being poured out as a drinking offering, it's from one word in the original language. And, and Paul's comparing his experience in life as a sacrifice of that of a priest that would make it the altar. 
And, and, and the, they, they understood the drink offering. He's just sacrificially pouring out his life. So what does that mean to us? What does that look like to you and I? I remember watching Jody. Um, we've known each other for years. I remember watching Jody in track when she was in junior high in um, middle school. And I remember watching her uh, run the 440 when she was in high school. And I remember um, she also did the hurdles. And uh, she went to state, actually. They went to state in Ohio, and she ran uh, down at Ohio State um, and still holds that over my head that she went to state. I never made it to state. That's a different talk. Forgiveness, grace. Stop rubbing it in my face. <laughs> but I remember this one girl on her team, and she was quite amazing. And she would run the 440, and they used to, that's what it was back then. And I remember what she did, man. Like, she'd run this thing, and you just see her going after it. And at the end of the race, she'd get to the finish line, and most often she would win. And then she would literally be on her knees and just be, like, chucking, like, dry heaving. And she would literally be throwing up every time. What did she do? Well, she gave everything. She gave it her all. There was not one ounce of energy left. She did not hold back. That's what Paul's talking about when it comes to your faith, that, that you wouldn't hold back. So, so God, help us to not hold back. God, God, help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because you are at work in us to will and to work for your good pleasure. And so I'm going to ask you a few questions right now. If you're going through a difficulty, if you're making a choice, if you're having some issues, not just issues, some decisions about you and your faith, and I'm just going to ask you, which of these do you need to focus on this week? Which area? And so is it about growing in your faith? And so maybe there's a choice that you need to put to put Jesus first in your life. And you know what? I just I need to put Jesus first in my workplace. I need to put Jesus first in my marriage. I need to put Jesus first in the relationships that I have. I need to put Jesus first in every area of my life. Maybe it's about maturing in your faith. That, that there's a decision that you're faced with that you're unclear about and you just need, man, this isn't all about problems. It's like, you know, I got a great decision ahead. It's about this job. It's about this school. It's about this opportunity. And I just want to make sure I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's about living for the faith. Can you just pray for our church that we'd see more um, people that are bold with their faith and, and that would share their faith? And Lord, start with me. And lastly, rejoicing in your faith. And maybe whether it's a peak or a valley that you would choose to rejoice with him right now. Pastor Ron Zappia with a message titled The Advancement of Joy. You're listening to High Point and can access the entire series called Unexplainable Joy when you head to our website at highpointministries.com. Well, Ron, as we wrap up, what are some takeaways for our listeners from this book in Philippians? Well, ultimately, joy starts with Christ. And I think it's important, again, to say, you know, the difference between joy and happiness. What we're talking about with happiness is happiness is dependent upon our circumstance. Joy is independent of our circumstance. It's the supernatural delight in God's purposes, in his promises, in his plan, and in his people. So we've got to understand that that joy comes from God and God alone. And as we grab a hold of what God has done, what he offers, what he wants, then we begin to experience more joy as we get on the same page with him. So even though you're going through a difficult time, even though you're going through a hard season, Joy is not a mirage. It's not inescapable. It's something that you can experience 
daily. That's where I want you to be. I want you to have the address of joy in your life, that that would be your home, that you could reside in the midst of a supernatural delight in him. How do you get it? Well, it's about growth and maturity. That's the only way. And as we continue to walk with Christ and as we continue to read his word and pray and serve other people, man, they're going to help us to remember that joy is not dependent upon what's happening in our lives, but it's dependent upon the one who can bring us to the place where we can experience grace, truth, mercy, forgiveness, comfort, and holiness, and that's Jesus Christ. Thanks for that great advice, Ron. Well, if you've been listening to High Point for a while and you've been encouraged to grow in your faith, now's your time to invest in this ministry. Become a High Point Partner, join with us, and automate your monthly gift. High Point Partners are the backbone of this ministry to spread the hope of Jesus online and on the air. And whether you become a High Point Partner or support High Point with a single gift, you're advancing the gospel and helping others move forward in their journey with God. And when you give today, we'll send you an expanded study that we've put together on finding joy, and it's directly from the book of Philippians. It's called The Journey Through Philippians. Ask for it when you give today. Call today with your gift of any amount to 844-477-2346. That's 844-HP-RADIO. Or online, go to highpointministries.com. If you prefer to send a check, address it to High Point Ministries, P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 605 That's P.O. Box 281, Naperville, Illinois, 60566. When you give to High Point, you become a part of our community of supporters who believe in the power of this ministry. Friends who want to impact listeners far beyond this local station. You also enable us to reach an ever-growing audience spanning coast to coast. So help get this gospel-centered programming to people across the country. Give online at highpointministries.com. I'm Steve Smith. Join us again next time for more inspiring teaching from Ron Zappia right here on High Point.